Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at all your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at docwashburnshow.com. This is episode 111 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. It's Sunday, March 20th, 2022. Where I've been, what I've been doing, where I'm going, and breaking news on Hunter Biden on today's episode of the Doc Washburn Show. But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there. A lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. And yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. Now, if you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. By the way, I'm running for the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas. And my opponent, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, also refuses to say whether she believes the last presidential election was stolen, even though she was press secretary for the last president, Donald J. Trump. If you'd like to support our campaign for governor, if you'd like to support the campaign of a candidate for governor who will answer questions, who will take a stand on issues, go to our website, electdocwashburn.com. So, here it is after midnight, Sunday morning. I haven't done a live stream since, um, I guess it was Thursday morning, yeah. So this is the one I would have done Friday, except the day went so long. Uh, I want to say thank you to my friend Laganzi Kale, general manager of KLEK Radio in Jonesboro, for doing a great interview with me on Friday. And I want to say thank you to all the folks who put together the uh, meet and greet with the Tea Party folks, the Tea Party people in Jonesboro after my radio interview at the Hilton Garden Inn. Thank you to Ms. Iris and everybody. Appreciate that. Also, thank you to my friend the Sylvies from Roston, Arkansas, for inviting me to join them uh, Saturday at their booth at the Jonquil Festival at Historic Washington State Park. That was a lot of fun. Talked to a lot of people. I'd never been in that part of the state before and talked to a lot of people who are excited about my candidacy. Now, coming up in the upcoming week, I plan to be at the Republican Party Founders Day event, and that's the Faulkner County Republican Party, at the uh, the uh, the Pines event venue in Conway. 
That's going to be uh, Saturday. Yeah, Saturday, March 26th, 4.30 in the afternoon. Looking forward to that. Earlier in the day, seriously thinking about going to the West End 3rd Street Street Fair in Fort Smith around noon, Saturday, March 26th, unless something comes up. You know, I might just show up at KJ's Restaurant in Judsonia, Arkansas at 10.30 in the morning, Friday. Good friend of mine in Searcy said, that's the place you want to go. Thursday evening, 6 o'clock Thursday evening, looking forward to meeting with the conservative constitutional patriots at the Wood Grill Buffet on Congo Road in Benton. That's a great place to eat. I got to tell you. 11.30 a.m. Thursday morning, Concerned Women for America meeting at the uh, Pleasant Valley Country Club. Looking forward to meeting with those folks. I got a secret project coming up Wednesday. I I can't say. I can't say what it's about. Tuesday evening, the 22nd. Looking forward to speaking to the Benton County Republican Party. Uh, Just uh, thrilled and delighted to have that invitation at the New Hope Assembly of God in Rogers, Benton County Republican Party, Tuesday evening, March 22nd, 6.30 p.m., New Hope Assembly of God Rogers. Tuesday afternoon, Conduit News. Going to be doing an interview with the good folks at Conduit News. Looking forward to that, too, up in Fayetteville, Arkansas. Monday evening, Washita County Republican Committee meeting at the Camden Event Center, Mount Holly Road in Camden, Monday evening at 6 o'clock. Even made the uh, Camden newspaper. So I appreciate that. Looking forward to that. On our show, Monday morning at 11 Central, can you believe I'm actually planning on doing a a show at the uh, old live time. Um, planning on interviewing my friend, Colonel Conrad Reynolds, who is the esteemed and worthy primary opponent of the dastardly rhino, U.S. Representative French Hill. So Conrad Reynolds on the show at 11 a.m. Monday morning, March 21st, doing that live. So really looking forward to that. All right, so that's what I've been up to. That's what I've been doing. Talked to a lot of people at the John Cole Festival Saturday in the historic Washington State Park. People excited to have an alternative to Sarah. Excited to have an actual conservative, not another rhino. We don't need any more rhinos. We don't need any more rhinos. Okay, so I said I was going to tell you some breaking news about Hunter Biden, and you might not have heard about this. This might be new to you. CNBC reported this recently. Mother of Hunter Biden's child testified in tax probe, lawyer handed over financial records. 
Okay, wait a minute. I think I know that lawyer. Better get him back on the show. The Arkansas woman who had a child by Hunter Biden out of wedlock recently testified to a federal grand jury in Delaware as part of a criminal tax probe of the son of usurper Joe Biden, her lawyer confirmed Thursday. Clint Lancaster. I do know Clint Lancaster. The attorney for the mother, London Alexis Roberts, also told CNBC that he previously handed over a significant amount of Hunter's financial records to federal investigators to comply with a subpoena for those files. That had to be fun. Attorney Clint Lancaster said he and London Alexis Roberts were interviewed by an assistant U.S. attorney, an FBI agent, and an IRS agent, one that carries a badge and a gun, more than a year ago about Hunter Biden in Little Rock, Arkansas, where Lancaster practices law. The lawyer said about Biden, quote, I expect him to be indicted. Just based on what I saw in his financial records, I would be surprised if he's not indicted, unquote. Despite that expectation, Lancaster said that both he and his client, Roberts, quote, don't want Hunter to go to jail, unquote. Lancaster, a supporter of former President Donald Trump, who in late 2020 worked on a legal challenge to results that showed Biden winning the state of Wisconsin that year, said, it's not my goal, much to the unhappiness of many people in the Republican Party, unquote. Asked if Hunter Biden had ever seen his daughter with Roberts or expressed an interest in doing so, Lancaster said, no, he has not. It's sad because the baby looks like him with blonde hair, unquote. Well, yeah, see, Hunter Biden grew up uh, in a Democrat family, the family of abortion. And I'm sure Hunter and Jill and Joe are all upset that Ms. Roberts refused to have an abortion and actually let the baby live. So, of course, he doesn't want to have anything to do with his responsibility. But I, but I digress. I digress. 52-year-old Hunter Biden, who has worked as a lawyer, business consultant, lobbyist, investor, and most recently as a fine art painter, had previously denied wrongdoing in his tax affairs. CNBC reached out for comment from his attorneys about Attorney Lancaster's comments. The White House declined to comment on the case or on Lancaster's statement that neither Hunter Biden nor usurper Biden, I'll never call him president, he stole it, or any other family member has ever seen the daughter Hunter had by Ms. Roberts. A White House spokesman referred questions to the U.S. Department of Justice, which declined to comment, as did the U.S. Attorney's Office for Delaware, which is leading the investigation of Hunter Biden. Lancaster, when asked how many records there were related to Hunter Biden's finances, said he merely had a hunch. The documents were part of the case filed for an Arkansas court child support lawsuit that Roberts filed against Hunter Biden in 2019 in connection with their daughter. Lancaster said they're all in electronic form. I would estimate it was anywhere from 10 gigs of data. He said, I saw a lot of information that is problematic for Hunter Biden. 
But Lancaster added, I'm not making any statements about what was in the tax records, whether he paid taxes or whether he didn't pay taxes. Lawyer Clint Lank, pardon me, take two. Lawyer Clint Lancaster spoke on the heels of the New York Times article. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which reported Hunter Biden in recent months told an associate he paid federal taxes of more than $1 million in connection with a tax liability that's at least one part of the investigation by the U.S. Attorney's Office for Delaware, the Biden family's home state. The New York Times reported that although the probe initially was focused on a possible criminal violation of tax laws, it since has broadened to include questions of whether Hunter Biden violated laws related to foreign lobbying and money laundering. New York Times, citing a person familiar with the issue, reported investigators questioned the 30-year-old London Alexis Roberts a year ago in Arkansas about whether a corporate entity used by Hunter Biden to pay her when she lived in Washington, D.C. had received payments from Burisma, a Ukrainian energy company on whose board he once sat. Burisma paid Hunter Biden about 50000 per month. No, that's not what I heard. I heard they paid him a million a year, which averaged out to over 83000 a month. Anyway, from April 2014 till April 2019, he stepped down from the company's board that year as his father's presidential candidacy gained steam. London Alexis Roberts' child support action against Hunter Biden noted that she received money from a company owned or controlled by him from May to November of 2018. Court record states she never received tax, docu- tax documents for those payments. Hunter Biden settled the case. January 2020, after agreeing to pay an undisclosed amount of monthly child support to Roberts, it was retroactive to November 2018, three months after their daughter was born. Attorney Clint Lancaster on Thursday said London Alexis Roberts traveled to Wilmington, Delaware, in mid-February to testify to a grand jury in the U.S. courthouse there to comply with a subpoena. The DailyMail.com, UK Daily Mail, previously reported Ms. Roberts' appearance for that closed-door testimony. Her lawyer told CNBC Roberts did not receive immunity from prosecution before she gave her testimony. He said she committed no crime, so she didn't have any reason to be immunized. He said he didn't know what a prosecutor asked Roberts about during her appearance at the grand jury. Lancaster added Roberts had not authorized him to give details to the media about her questioning more than a year ago by federal investigators in Little Rock. Lancaster would not give details of the records he gave investigators. He did say, I had his Burisma pay records. I had records of ultimately what Burisma paid into the United States. The attorney said he first became aware of the federal criminal investigation and Hunter Biden, December 2020, Joe Biden had won the popular presidential election vote weeks earlier. Oh, that's a lie. No, he didn't. They stole it. Oh, it's CNBC. No wonder. But then President Trump and supporters were still contesting the results on multiple legal fronts. Yep, there are multiple legal fronts, all right. Clint Lancaster said he received a federal subpoena for the case file of London Alexis Roberts' child support action, quote, when I was in Wisconsin, unquote, 
working on such a legal challenge. The subpoena included demands for financial records that had been ordered sealed from public view by the judge in the Arkansas case. Attorney Lancaster said he notified Biden's attorney in the paternity case, Brent Langdon, shortly after receiving the subpoena. Lancaster said that within hours of when he contacted Langdon, December 9th, 2020, Hunter Biden issued a statement publicly disclosing for the first time that he was under criminal investigation for his tax affairs. Hunter Biden said in that statement, I take this matter very seriously, but I'm confident that a professional and objective review of these matters will demonstrate that I handle my affairs legally and appropriately, including with the benefits of professional tax advisors. In that statement, Hunter Biden said he had learned about the probe the day before from his own attorney who had notified, who had been notified by the U.S. Attorney's Office. The statement came five days before the Electoral College confirmed his father's election as president. Well, fraudulently, but anyway. London Alexis Roberts had sued Hunter Biden a year earlier in 2019, claiming she had his daughter in August 2018. At the time, he was still involved in a romantic relationship with Hallie Biden, the widow of his late brother, Bo Biden. Now, keeping it all in the family, I guess. The elder brother, former attorney general of the state of Delaware, died from brain cancer in 2015. London Alexis Roberts' paternity action was filed days after Biden married another woman, South African filmmaker Melissa Cohen, after knowing Cohen for just six days. The couple had a son named Bo in March of 2020. In court papers, Hunter Biden initially denied ever having sex with Roberts. Well, that would be lying under oath, right? I'm just asking. In his 2021 memoir entitled Beautiful Things, Hunter Biden detailed his, act, his serious addictions to cocaine and alcohol and said that he had no recollection of his encounter with Roberts that led to the birth of her daughter. But he stopped contesting his paternity of their daughter after Roberts said in court papers that a test confirmed he was the father. Well, now, it's not just her saying the test confirmed he was the father. The test did confirm he was the father. Now, speaking of which, attorney Clint Lancaster actually came on my program February 9th of this year and explained how the paternity case came to be and uh, told a lot of things that have never been in the mainstream media before or since. And um, including the fact that um, the mother of Hunter Biden's child was never a stripper, despite what a lot of the media, including Fox News, says. Anyway, oh, yeah, we still have the uh, episode online. Sure. It says here. Court records showed that Hunter Biden missed an appearance in the case. Court records also indicated Hunter Biden and his lawyers were criticized by the judge for providing limited financial information as London Alexis Roberts pressed claims for support of their daughter in the face of his argument that he did not have any funds to give. 
or did not have any funds to spare. The judge threatened to hold Hunter Biden in contempt January 2020 for failing to disclose financial information. The case was settled shortly afterward. At the time, Trump had been impeached by the House of Representatives for having withheld almost $400 million in congressionally approved military aid to Ukraine while asking its president, Volodymyr Zelensky, to announce an investigation of Joe Biden and Hunter Biden in connection with Hunter's role at Burisma, the energy company. Man, a lot of lies here, a lot of lies. What does that have to do with Hunter Biden probably being indicted soon because of his financial records? When Trump made that request in 2019, Joe Biden had emerged as the frontrunner for the Democrat presidential nomination in 2020. Trump was acquitted at his impeachment trial in the Senate early 2020. He really was? He was acquitted? Wait. Trump was acquitted in his impeachment trial in the Senate? Who knew? We're not that old. That's ancient history. Really, thanks for telling us, because otherwise, CNBC, how will we know? Russia invaded Ukraine three weeks ago. Usurper Biden, he'll never be president. Stole it, stole it, stole it. Usurper Biden announced Wednesday that the U.S. would send a wide array of weaponry to Ukraine as part of an $800 million. What does that have to do with the mother of Hunter Biden's child testifying to a federal grand jury in Delaware as part of a criminal tax probe of Hunter Biden? I I ain't going to lie, fam. I don't have a clue on that one. I don't even have a clue on that one. Are you kidding me right now? CNBC. Ye knave. Ye cad. Sorry, just channeling some old G. Gordon Liddy there. John, I'm hearing that sound of my headphones again. <laughs> oh, man, what an American original that guy was, the G-Man. He was he was just great. Um, look, I, I want to say how thankful we are to have advertisers on the Doc Washburn Show that make it possible financially for us to do what we do. Um, any time of the day or night. And I want to give a shout-out to a couple of them. Now, if you try to buy a car recently, you realize there's such a chip shortage, you may have a hard time finding what you're looking for. People I know have actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online, and they'll drive it to you no matter where you are. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. That's why they've added technology to their website to put you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry. Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button on it that says Explore Payment Options. Now, clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can determine what monthly payment 
works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, SUV, anything like that, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom, the dealer that will deliver your vehicle to your front door, no matter where you live in the continental United States of America, redriveryourway.com, you will be glad you did. I'm glad I did. Of course, I'm in central Arkansas. I was able to just walk over the dealership, not walk, but to drive over the dealership. All right, fantastic. Another sponsor that we're so delighted to have is myfamilyhealthplan.com. Let me just ask you, are you like most Americans? Did Obamacare, the so-called Affordable Care Act, make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high co-pays keep you from going to the doctor? Now, if you answered yes to any of those questions, you need to go to the website, myfamilyhealthplan.com. When you click on myfamilyhealthplan.com, you see the big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. Then you hit the big red button, schedule, call now. That enables you to book a free consultation with my friend Art Wilborn, who will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage and also make sure your personal, personalized health coverage gives you a plan that does not force you to cover horrible things like abortion that would violate your deeply held religious beliefs, unlike some of those Obamacare plans, right? Again, affordable plans save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays. Hit the big red button. Schedule call now. Book a free consultation with my buddy Art Wilborn. He'll make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance at MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. You will be so glad you did. All right. Having said that, there is a lot to talk about. But, you know, I'm looking at the the Podbean app, and when you're doing this live, it tells you in real time who has entered the live studio. In other words, who is listening live, because most people listen after the fact at some point especially when I do it this late. You know, it's almost 2 a.m. Central. And let's see. I see that um, somebody who goes by Boogie Nights has entered the live studio. Uh, Let's see. Ben Wesley has entered the live studio. Sean entered the live studio. Um, A couple of folks who just have... uh, a bunch of letters I can't pronounce into the live studio. And oddly enough here, it says Doc Washburn's show entered the live studio. Now, I've never noticed that before. And I feel like I'm almost about to implode into the matrix because um, the Doc Washburn show is listening to the Doc Washburn show, and I hope I don't get any kind of uh, feedback in my in my headphones. You know what I'm saying, Holmes? So I just thought I would... Uh, just thought I would uh, express my uh, awareness in real time that I'm listening to myself. 
No, no, I, I don't understand the significance of that. That's that's for doggone sure. You're darn tootin'. Anyway, that having been said, um, the great Julie Kelly has another great article over an American greatness. I, I need to share it to you. It's called, Will the Next January 6th Trial Expose Another Justice Department Lie? Here's what she says. Federal prosecutors last week scored a big victory after Washington, D.C. jury took less than three hours to find Guy Reffitt, the first January 6th defendant, to stand trial guilty on all counts. Now, the Justice Department's winning streak might be short-lived, however. Prosecutors will have a tougher task with a trial starting Monday for uh, Coy Griffin, the Cowboys for Trump leader, arrested for his minor and nonviolent involvement in the Capitol protests on January 6, 2021. Mr. Griffin was the subject of my very first article over a year ago on the Justice Department's abusive prosecution of January 6 protesters, in which coincidentally I asked a rhetorical question, where is the outrage over America's political prisoners? As official Washington was in a tizzy over Russian President Vladimir Putin's imprisonment of his country's star dissident. Now, after the government charged Griffin January 19, 2021, with two low-level trespassing misdemeanors, Acting U.S. Attorney for the District of Columbia, Michael Sherwin, asked the courts to keep Griffin detained pending trial. Sherwin, recall, bragged about a shock and awe campaign of January 6th arrests prior to Joe Biden's inauguration, relying mostly on remarks Griffin made during and after the protest. Sherwin claimed that the New Mexico County Commissioner who never entered the Capitol, was a danger to the community. Sherwin's office wrote, in a motion seeking Griffin's imprisonment, quote, defendant is an inflammatory provocateur and fabulist who engages in racist, invective, and propounds baseless conspiracy theories, including that communist China stole the 2020 presidential election. He denies the lawful election of the president and as stated repeatedly that Biden will never be president. Well, he was not lawfully elected. They stole it, and I'll never call him president. So what are you going to do about me? I got nowhere near the Capitol. Sherwin concluded that Griffin is a racist because he publicly objected to playing the black national anthem at professional football games and suggested that the players go back to Africa and and form your little football teams over in Africa. Well, you know, he may be a racist, but um, he has the First Amendment right to free speech. Anyway, a federal magistrate judge agreed, calling the nation's capital a war zone on January 6th, Judge Zia Faruqi. Zia Faruqi, can you say it with me? Judge Zia Faruqi claimed Griffin's comments were not protected under the First Amendment and signaled his defiance of the entire U.S. government. During a February 2nd 
2021 detention hearing. Judge Zia Faruqi said Griffin won't listen to those conditions of release because he may ultimately decide that those conditions are part of a flawed system that he must go by any means to overthrow and disrupt. Now, the chief judge ordered Griffin's conditional release a few days later. Judge Zia Faruqi also told Griffin's defense lawyers during the hearing that, quote, there's no doubt in my mind, in fact, in anyone's mind, that there was a person protected by the Secret Service who was in that building, which is the vice president of uh, the United States of America, unquote. Now, those words might come back to bite the good judge. The whereabouts of both Kamala Harris and Mike Pence are the basis for thousands of criminal charges related to January 6th, including the two charges against Mr. Griffin. As Secret Service protectees, the Justice Department alleges under 18 U.S. Code Section 1752, the presence of Kamala Harris and Mike Pence inside the Capitol during the hour, four-hour disturbance rendered the building and surrounding grounds a restricted area closed to the public. Nearly every one of the nearly 800 Americans charged in the massive Capitol breach probe faces at least... at least one count on that section of U.S. Code. But the Justice Department recently was forced to admit Kamala Harris was not in the building for most of the day on January 6th. Harris, who was still a member of the U.S. Senate, had in fact left the Capitol in the late morning and explicably went to the headquarters of the Democrat National Committee. Same building where a pipe bomb allegedly was planted the night before. Prosecutors have begun amending language in court filings to reflect the fact Harris was not inside the Capitol despite making the assertion in thousands of charging documents. Only one D.C. District Court judge has upbraided the Justice Department for its insidious lie about Harris. Judge, judge Trevor McFadden last month told prosecutors in a separate case that the government had a big problem for misleading a grand jury for over a year as to Kamala Harris's whereabouts, and that the falsehood undermined any confidence the court can have in the government's representations. Judge McFadden will preside over Coy Griffith's bench trial this coming week. Now, it appears that the government might also be lying about Mike Pence's location on January 6th, and prosecutors are desperate to conceal exactly where Vice President Pence, Pence went after he was evacuated from the Senate chamber around 2.20 p.m., January 6, 2021. Thousands of criminal complaints, grand jury indictments, and government motions, just like the Harris reference, state that Mike Pence remained in the United States Capitol from the time he was evacuated from the Senate chamber until the sessions resumed, which occurred around 8 p.m. But the proof is non-existent. To that end, Griffin's attorneys asked the Justice Department to provide official White House photographs of Pence and his family during the six-hour break. Prosecutors insist they don't have them. Furthermore, in numerous cases, including Griffin's case, prosecutors asked the Justice Department to, pardon me, prosecutors are asking judges to prevent cross-examination of Secret Service agents 
who could confirm Pence did indeed remain in the building or on the Capitol grounds after the breach. As a replacement, the government filed a sworn statement by a U.S. Capitol police officer who said he watched surveillance video that established Vice President Pence remained in the Capitol complex throughout the Capitol breach. When Griffin's defense attorney, Nicholas Smith, asked the government to provide the surveillance video captured by the Capitol Police's camera system, prosecutors argue that releasing the video, even under a protective order, would compromise security. But then, you know, they get paid to lie a lot, right? Now, just in time, but I digress. Just in time for trial before an increasingly skeptical Judge McFadden, the Justice Department made a second edit to Griffin's original indictment with another caveat. The area was restricted because Mike Pence, quote, was and would be temporarily visiting the building, unquote. Uh Uh-huh. Would be. While that qualifier is part of the original statute, it was not cited until this month by the government. Arguing that the building was restricted because Pence was inside during the breach is one thing. Compelling criminal indictments on the notion that Pence wasn't there but planned to return is something else. Either way, Judge McFadden is having none of it. He wants proof. If the government wishes to proceed on both charges, it is hereby ordered to have a witness present at trial who can speak based on first-hand knowledge as to the whereabouts of former Vice President Pence during the alleged offense conduct. That's what Judge McFadden ruled on March 9th. The mythology of January 6th revolves around any number of lies, a so-called armed insurrection without firearms, police officers who did not die at the hands of Trump supporters, a conspiracy that doesn't exist, to name a few. But lies related to the whereabouts of Harris and Pence, whose own advisor continues to propagate the possible falsehood, will take the dishonest narrative to a new level. Thousands of criminal charges which have destroyed the lives of those prosecuted depend on this lie. Exposing it in court will reveal another aspect of this abusive witch hunt of Trump-supporting Americans. Now, the part about Pence's advisor continuing to propagate possible falsehood, she links to... um, an NBC interview with uh, Pence's former chief of staff. Julie Kelly over at American Greatness, the article entitled, Will the Next January 6th Trial Expose Another Justice Department Lie? It would not surprise me. It certainly would not surprise me. Speaking of which, uh, we go to Human Events Magazine. Short little article written by Senior contributor Chris Barron, entitled Jussie versus J6, Unequal Justice. On March 10th, former Empire star Jussie Smollett was sentenced to 150 days in jail for staging a fake hate crime against himself. In sentencing Smollett, the judge labeled Smollett a narcissistic charlatan 
who staged the fake hate crime to grab the limelight while the nation struggled with wrenching issues of racial injustice. After serving just six days of the 150-day sentence, Jussie Smollett, a convicted felon who was willing to risk sparking race riots with his hate crime hoax, walked out of prison after an Illinois appellate court ordered Smollett released while his legal teams appealed his conviction. Smollett is now free to not only leave prison, he is free to leave the state without condition. What if he's free to stage another fake hate crime? What are the Nigerian brothers doing these days? Anybody know? Smollett's treatment is a far cry from the treatment of January 6th protesters. Julie Kelly, who has done much to expose the persecution of January 6th participants, wrote recently of Guy Reffitt, who was held without trial for more than 14 months. And um, this has a little poll quote, a little clip from her article. Like dozens of Americans who protested the unlawful election of Joe Biden, Reffitt isn't, Reffitt isn't in jail because he was convicted of a crime. Neither is Reffitt in jail because he has a criminal record. He does not, or a history of threatening his bottom Texas neighbors or community. Instead, Reffitt has languished behind bars for more than a year because Joe Biden's Justice Department asked a federal judge to keep him detained awaiting trial for his participation in the Capitol protests on January 6, 2021. Since then, more than 100 Americans, including several accused of violent crimes, have been incarcerated under pretrial detention orders sought by Attorney General Merrick Garland. Constitutional rights such as the presumption of innocence, due process, the right to a speedy trial, and protection from cruel and unusual punishment have been stripped from January 6th defendants based on the Biden regime's false premise that they are all domestic terrorists and insurrectionists. None of the January 6th defendants has been charged with terrorism or insurrection. So that's what Julie uh, Kelly said. So the article here in Human Events continues, Jussie Smollett, who staged a fake hate crime in the middle of a wave of nationwide violence related to race relations, was, was willing to willing to risk sparking race riots if it meant advancing his own career and fame. That same Jussie Smollett was never detained pre-trial, like Guy Reffitt and so many January 6th defendants. Indeed, Smollett often appeared in court via Zoom from his home in Los Angeles. That same Jussie Smollett received a relatively light sentence to be carried out in a minimum security facility, and even then a judge ordered him released while his legal team appeals his sentence. The treatment of Jussie Smollett stands in stark contrast to not just the treatment of Guy Reffitt, but of hundreds of January 6th defendants. And it's not just Smollett. Oh, no. Prosecutors are dismissing cases against 2020 rioters, arguing for reduced jail sentences for convicted rioters and charging police officers allegedly involved in civil rights violations during those riots while systematically rounding up hundreds of nonviolent Americans for any participation in the January 6th protests, denying bail to dozens of offenders and exonerating at least one police officer 
clearly responsible for depriving a Trump supporter of not just her rights, but her life. Oh, that would be Lieutenant Michael Byrd, the guy that murdered Ashley Babbitt. Is that who we're talking about? Again, Chris Barron continues at Human Events, saying justice is supposed to be blind in this country, but it's increasingly clear, simply not the case. The same Trump derangement system that has gripped the media, Hollywood, and big tech has become pervasive in our justice system, particularly when it comes to the hyperpartisan Biden Justice Department. The politicization of justice is possibly the single most terrifying corrosion of our institutions. A weaponized justice system is a calling card of every single totalitarian regime on the planet. Indeed, a weaponized justice system is absolutely critical to maintaining control of the totalitarian regime, and the rise of a weaponized justice system here in the U.S. should have people on all sides of the political aisle deeply concerned. Yeah, that never happens. Alas, despite talking a good game about criminal justice reform, you won't hear the left spend any time worrying about a politicized and weaponized justice system. You won't hear them concerned about it because at the end of the day, they're completely happy with a police state as long as it's a police state that does their bidding. Our criminal justice system is deeply, take two, our criminal justice system is deeply broken and reforming it should be a top priority of any conservative running for any office in this country. Yeah, 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 that's a good idea. That's a good idea. I'm all about it, Holmes. I'm all about it. We'll uh, see what we can do about that. Oh, that's strong, bro. That ain't gonna lie, fam. That is strong right there. Once again, we are so thankful for our advertisers. And the views and opinions expressed in the Doc Washer show do not necessarily reflect those of the advertisers either before either before or after midnight, but they love us and we love them. All right. Now I tell you about my buddy Justin Minton, M I N T O N Minton in Benton, Benton, Arkansas. Justin, a former insurance adjuster, left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. And he sure helped me out when I was in two automobile accidents in 2019. Now, the Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Young Lawyer of the Year. By the way, uh, Justin Minton's also helping me with the most recent automobile accident from December 18, 2017. Anyway, the insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. He used to work for an insurance company. He knows all the tricks of the trade. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who've been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin Minton makes sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck or on the job or you're a loved one suffering from the carelessness of another, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton in Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. All right, I would like to help you out with something, health-wise. You have vertigo, neck pains, back pains, migraines, eczema, 
Problems with your blood sugar? All right, let's do a little test. Look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? Okay. If the answer to any of these is yes, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines and my neck pain. Let me explain to you how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. That's known as top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, the C1, which only weighs 2 ounces. So that's really easy for your atlas to get out of alignment. If it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body the way it's designed to do. Now, it can affect your circulatory system, your digestive system, your reproductive system, yes, even your respiratory system. And yes, it can cause migraines, neck pain, back pain, a lot of stuff. So do yourself a favor. Call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 if you're in central Arkansas, for a free consultation to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. If you're outside central Arkansas and you think, man, I could probably use something like that, go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, and click on the tab that says, find a doctor near you. And I hope and pray that there is a findable doctor near you. All right, phenomenal. Very good. Now, coming up next, you know, I love it when I get a chance to say what I'm finna say up in here. Oh, no, it's on the wrong thing. Got to have the right thing. Okay, Brian, hit it. We interrupt this program to bring you a special report. It's the Doc Washburn Show Tweet of the Day. Brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Red River Your Way, the big old car dealership in the middle of the United States. Believes in freedom, including freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to online. Have it delivered to your front door anywhere in the continental United States of America. So, as so often happens, this is a two-part tweet. The tweet of the day is the response to the first tweet. Got it? So i got to tell you what Bloomberg News is saying in their tweet. They said inflation stings most if you earn less than $300,000. Really? Yeah, I think most of us are like way, way, way down less than $300,000. But Bloomberg opinion in Bloomberg News says, here's how to deal with inflation. Number one, take the bus. Number two, don't buy in bulk. Number three, try lentils instead of eating meat. And number four, nobody said this would be fun. All right, now, the tweet of the day in response to this is a guy who just goes by the name Mike, fell out of Texas, who says, please, Democrats, run on this message. Yes, Democrats, run on forcing us all to take the bus instead of driving. Run on... Forcing us all to stop buying at bulk. Um, I think buying in bulk is a way to save money. It's what you want to do if you got out of control inflation. 
Democrats, please run on telling us to, uh, <coughs> pardon me, eat lentils instead of meat. Oh, by the way, Democrats, please remind us nobody said this would be fun. That is the text of the, uh, the, the tweet of the day brought to you by RedRiverYourWay.com. Right, that's fantastic. That is just fantastic. Yeah, yeah, Dems, please, please run on that. Okay, so parents, New York Post has this, Ivy League swimmers told not to talk to media about Leah Thomas. That's what parents are saying. Ivy League swimmers who complained about Leah Thomas were rebuked, told not to speak to the media according to emails given to the New York Post by parents. Message was sent by Harvard coaches to swim team members, chastising them for using, of chastising them for focusing on what is fair and what is ethical, saying that's wrong because Thomas has been following the NCAA rules. The no reference is Skyler Baylor, who was a transgender male who competed for Harvard, darkly suggesting. He wouldn't be alive if he wasn't supported by his team. In lectures, life is more important than politics. It's got nothing to do with politics. Finally, the message tells the swimmers to stop being annoyed and, quote, focus on our team, unquote, saying if the media calls, quote, ideally, refrain from comment, unquote. So here's a part of the email. It says the conversations and controversy surrounding Leah have been challenging to read, and particularly they focus on what is fair and what is ethical. Regardless of your personal stance, Leah has been incredibly transparent and is abiding by all NCAA rules. No, no, he isn't. I'm sure there's a rule against a man being in a women's locker room and exposing himself. Anyway, they say that is a fact, having watched Skyler's transition firsthand. I can tell you it wasn't for the support if it wasn't for the support of the teams, he may not be here today. Life is more important than politics. While we'll never tell you what to do or what to believe, yes, you do. It doesn't benefit our team from winning a championship if we spend our collective energy getting annoyed or frustrated. Let the NCAA figure out their next steps. Let us focus on our team. And if any press reaches out, then please direct them to our sports media office and ideally refrain from conflict comment. Well, see, they've been complaining because um, he doesn't cover himself up in the uh, in the uh, locker room. You know what I'm saying? And he's obviously still very much a male. All the male parts. So it's outrageous. It's disgusting. It's, um, well, it's illegal. It's indecent exposure. He should be arrested. He should be arrested for breaking the law. But hey, but hey, that's just me talking, right? That's just me talking. Um, 
By the way, we have an editorial here from the New York Post editorial board. Spies who lie. 51 so-called intelligence experts refuse to apologize for discrediting Hunter Biden's story, which is actually true. Here's the editorial, New York Post. They're the supposed nonpartisan group of top spies looking out for the best interest of the nation. But the 51 former intelligence officials who cast doubt on the New York Post Hunter Biden laptop stories in public in a public letter really were just desperate to get Joe Biden elected president. More than a year later, even after their deep state sabotage has been shown again and again to be a lie, they refuse to own up to how they undermined an election. The officials, including CNN pundit and professional fabricator James Clapper, a man who was nearly charged for perjury for lying to Congress, signed a letter saying that laptop, quote, has the classic earmarks of Russian information operation, unquote. What proof do they have? By their own admission, none. Quote, we do not know if the emails are genuine or not, unquote. That's what their letter to the New York Post said. They're just suspicious. Why? Because they hurt Joe Biden's campaign. That's evidence enough. Keep in mind, this was written October 19, 2020, five days after the New York Post published its first story. Neither Joe Biden nor Hunter Biden had denied the story. They simply deflected questions didn't these security experts think that if this was disinformation, the Biden campaign would have yelled to the heavens that the story was false? Well, it's a good question. Meanwhile, though, the letter was advertised as being signed by people who worked for presidents of both political parties. A majority of the officials were Democrats. Politico picked up the letter and ran the false headline, quote, Hunter Biden's story is Russian disinfo, dozens of former intel officials say, unquote. That headline is still online today, even though the letter clearly says they don't know if it's Russian disinformation. But that headline was tweeted out by legions of Democrats, including current White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki, as proof that it was all a con. The tweet also is still up, despite being proven false. So, so it was pure speculation by a group of biased officials becoming gospel among the media. This was fake news and could be safely ignored. Now, keep in mind that Twitter already had banned the New York Post a few days before. Rationale for that ban was that this was hacked materials, even though it wasn't, and Twitter had no evidence to think that it was the uh, web that the um, laptop was hacked. A Facebook official, meanwhile, said it wasn't going to allow the sharing of the post story until it was fact-checked by a third party, a check that never happened. So big tech, former government officials, and the media conspired together to bury a story. No, not just bury, but create a false narrative that flipped the script to make Joe Biden the victim of a conspiracy. In short, they peddled online disinformation to sway an election. No one actually proved the Post reporting was wrong. Media outlets showed up at the doorstep of the computer repairman who had 
receive the laptop in Delaware, and he confirmed it. People who exchanged emails with Hunter Biden attested their accuracy in the days and weeks that followed. Only after the election was safely over did Hunter Biden tacitly admit the laptop was his. Last year, a political reporter confirmed the laptop's materials were real. And now the coup de grace of the Times said it's authenticated material from the laptop. Now, there have been no consequences. Twitter and Facebook still censor information based on political bias, and Congress takes no action. Many of the letter signers continue to be as used as experts by the media. Clapper, for instance, spent years on CNN calling Donald Trump a Russian asset, a lie invented and fed by political operatives of Hillary Clinton. He's still there. Gas accuracy is not a condition of employment. Now, do the officials who tried to flip the 2020 election feel any regret for their actions? The New York Post reached out to those who signed the letter. Most would not answer the question. A few doubled down, including Jim Clapper. No remorse, no shame, no apologies. Mike Hayden, former CIA director, now analyst for CNN, did not respond. Jim Clapper, former director of national intelligence, now CNN pundit, says, yes, I stand by the statement made at the time and would call attention to its fifth paragraph. I think sounding such a cautionary tale, or I think sounding such a cautionary note at the time was appropriate. Leon Panetta, former CIA director and defense secretary, who now runs a public policy institute, California State University, declined comment. John Brennan, former CIA director, now analyst for NBC and MSNBC, didn't respond. Thomas Fingar, former National Intelligence Council chair, now teaches Stanford, didn't respond. Rick Ledgett, former National Security Agency deputy director, now a director at M&T Bank, didn't respond. John McLaughlin, former CIA acting director, now teaches Johns Hopkins University, didn't respond. Mike Morell. Former CIA acting director, now George Mason University, didn't respond. It just it goes on and on and on. It goes on and on and on. So, our members of Congress need to push back. But will they? Well, it's anyone's guess, isn't it? It's anyone's guess. Now, let me just say this. Questioning begins for Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson on Monday. That's when they do the confirmation, start the confirmation hearings. Now, Mike Davis used to be on, uh, used to be on the staff of Senator from Iowa helped him put together um, operations to get judges approved. Chuck Grassley. Mike Davis says Judge Katanji Brown Jackson's views. Number one, she says terrorists should be freed from Getmo even when they return to battlefield and kill Americans. That doesn't bother. Number two. She says, child pornographers are not pedophiles and we're too hard on them. Number three, 
She's very much pro-1619. In other words, uh, we shouldn't teach children the real history, teach them what that book lies about. Under the Durbin standard, Senator Durbin of Illinois, senators must oppose her nomination. Now, the Durbin standard for Judge Jackson nomination, quote, although acknowledging that Alito was a qualified legal scholar, Durbin said his views on privacy, abortion, and executive power were out of step with mainstream public opinion. Well, now we'll see about that, won't we? I say we will see about that, won't we? Also, so Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson has empathy for freeing terrorists who then kill Americans, coddling sex predators, including those who target kids, promoting CRT, criminal race theory, equity, the 1619 Project, and other radical racial division. Does she share your values? I don't think so. No. No, she certainly doesn't. Well, there's so much more that I wanted to get to, but we're out of time. And I hope to do another one of these Saturday, Sunday evening because it's like 2.36 a.m. Sunday morning. I hope to do one Sunday evening because I'm going to be so many different places this coming week. I want to front load the week. So anyway, that having said, you've been listening to episode 111 of the all-new Doc Washburn Show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers, but they love us, and we love them. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy, and it certainly sounds like it. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansour Sempier the 10th. That's the way it is. Sunday, March 20th, 2022.